to all the exhausted village. I'm, that's what I'm gonna call your fans, Kyle. The exhausted village. Shout out to the exhausted educator. <laughs> this is a Holding On To Learning LLC production. Woo! The ideas expressed on this show are not the views of their employer. Besides, if you really want to take advice from this guy, well, you should probably do it at your own risk. You're gonna love the exhausted educator in What is going on, Education Heroes? Thank you for dropping in to the Exhausted Educator Show. In this episode, we're going to roll out part two of our conversation with Jacob Chastain, who is a podcaster, he's an author, he's a speaker, he does a ton of stuff that helps to inspire people involved with education all over the place. In this particular portion of our conversation, we're going to dive into trauma practices and how we help students. So trauma-informed practices for students, trauma-informed practices for working to support staff who may have their own trauma they're working through. Before we jump into that, I do want to remind you, you can always hook up with me at Recharged Family on all the socials, and in, including TikTok. We're on TikTok now. You can always send me an email, rechargedcommunity at gmail.com. I always appreciate your feedback. So, ladies and gentlemen, I know you're going to enjoy this second part of this conversation. He's high octane. He's really inspiring. And Jacob just has a really positive outlook on how to approach things. So, one more time, ladies and gentlemen, here is Jacob Chastain. You know, as an assistant principal, I'm, I'm seeing this in such a different light. And so it's really interesting going through and having a lot of these conversations these days with, with people who may not have been through similar things or, you know, quite frankly, this, the job of in education, pretty much at any level, it can jade you a little bit, right? You can become jaded very fast through, um, through the work that we do. You can experience empathy fatigue, um, and, and what I, what I do, and I'm not saying I'm, I don't have any of that. I definitely, you know, I felt jaded at times <laughs> and I've definitely had empathy fatigue, you know, when you're just dealing with trauma after trauma after trauma over and over again. Um, but the, the thing for me when it comes to being trauma informed and the reason why I tell my story is because, you know, there are so many things that can go on with, with a child, you know, at any age that truly can be difficult for them, but it might not seem difficult for you, right? It might not, you might not experience what they're experiencing the exact same way they are, right? You might've been like, oh, well that happened to me and I'm fine, right? I think that's, I think that's the ultimate error when we have conversations uh, with kids that are struggling, regardless of the age is, you know, the, the, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps kids and, and you're good to go. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. If you have bootstraps. Right. right. But a lot of people don't have them. A lot of people don't even have the shoes. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, when I'm communicating about, you know, advice or even how to think about it, it, I always go back to, Hey, you know, whether you can empathize or not, whether you see the emotional connection here or not, truthfully, your number one job is to first listen, pay attention, suffering, suffering, man, mm -hmm. pain is pain. 
And what causes you pain might not cause me pain, but that doesn't make it any less real for you. And so when I'm sitting in a space, I have to ground myself in going, okay, this person is truly experiencing something that is uncomfortable. It's disc, it, it, they're discomfortable. They are, they're struggling. They're, they're, they might have anxiety about it. Might be causing them depression. It might, it might be the the number one thing that has ruined their lives right now. And as a person dealing with another person, we have to honor those human experiences. You know, we we I think the the number one goal of of people in education, but truly people in general, is to interact in ways that it's just more compassionate. Mm-hmm. Like the human experience is complex. It's diverse. It's messy. You know, we love watching TV shows and movies and reading novels that make life seem like it, that it has this rhythm and rhyme. And I know people have beliefs that make them that go into that. But I think the more human work you do, you realize that, man, no no one has the answers. No one, there's, there's no, there's no thing coming to save you from this experience. You know, you either are in a situation that people are able to help you out of, or you have to do it yourself. And so when we interact with people, it's constantly reminding yourself going, this is, this is a real human thing that's happening. You are a real person in front of me that is clearly struggling. And my job from that point on as an educator is to go, okay, so how do I make sure that you are being taken care of the way that you need to? Sometimes it's small, right? Sometimes a kid could be having this traumatic experience because of a boyfriend they lost or a girlfriend <laughs> they lost or something, right? And that's very real too, right? right. Heartbreak is real yeah, just is. Yeah. as much as something else. And we navigate those things to help these young people think through them. Because if we don't do it, if the adults who have made it up to this point in their lives do not take the initiative to help kids think through, you know, breakups all the way up to dealing with trauma at home, right? Being able to process those things. They're going to get it from somewhere else. They're going to get it from TikTok. They're going to get it from Instagram. They're going to get it from Snapchat. They're going to get it from their friends. And I got to tell you, I don't know if you surf those places a lot, mm. but those pieces of advice that you're getting and the, the people who have all the followers are not the most uh, healthy people out there. In fact, Absolutely. I would say the algorithm encourages the least healthy behaviors. It does. In social media. Um, and it's because it gets the most likes, right? The things that people gravitate towards that gets the most views, the most comments, the most uh, interaction are often the most negative. Not always, but often. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's how it's why Twitter is the way it is. And so it's nothing bad. You know, Gary V talks about how, you know, social media is a mirror of human civilization, which is kind of true, but it's also not true because the algorithm leans a certain way. Um, And so I always approach these conversations with what is, what do I need to do to help this kid? Their behavior is demonstrating a need. So my job is to go, what is the need that they have? Sometimes it is a consequence, you know, and I say that as a, as a principle, sometimes a kid needs a freaking consequence to learn that they overstep something. Absolutely. But when we think about discipline, right? A lot of the times the conversation in education, we say discipline, discipline, discipline. We need more discipline. This is all, you know, this is the, 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 the talking points in a lot of educational circles right now is kids behaviors out of control, that it's all over the place. And some of it, you know, it's not wrong necessarily, but we keep going more discipline, maybe <laughs> more strict. But when you think, what is discipline, right? Discipline is your ability to control something. You, when you're, when someone's disciplined in their workout regimen, they're not punishing themselves. They're 
being knowledgeable about what discipline means in a real context. And so when we, as teachers, as principals, as educators, from whatever background you have, when you think discipline, I challenge you to flip that and say, okay, so what is, if I'm going to discipline this child, what does that look like? How does, how can I instill greater discipline in this person? Maybe it is a detention. Maybe it's a conversation. Maybe it's community service. Maybe it's a parent teacher meeting. Maybe it's any number of other things, but to say that it's as simple as you need a, a consequence that is a, a punishment, those are different, right? Consequences and punishments are different. Discipline and consequences are different. And so this all wraps into this trauma-informed thing. I was making a lot of bad decisions as kids. I wasn't going to school, for instance, right? I was driving a car without a license, without insurance when my mom was in jail, but I was still going to school. I was breaking the law. What consequence did I need, <laughs> right? What, what, did, what should I have been forced to deal with when I was literally breaking the law, right? There's nuance to this. Now, if I would have got pulled over by a cop, cop didn't have a lot of room for nuance. But as educators, we do. We have room to be flexible. And, you know, I find myself having these conversations with other people. They're like, well, you know, just, just punish them and be done with it. I'm like, mm. I'm not, I'm never going to do that. I'm always going to listen. I would rather be behind and waste more time taking the time to really understand why a kid feels a certain way, why a parent feels a certain way than to just say, this is my judgment and I'm done with it. The other day, I just sat with parents who didn't like how I reacted to something. And you know what I said? I said, let's talk about, it. let's have a conversation so you can know where I'm coming from. I can know where you're coming from. And then we can start building a bridge. And that to me is trauma informed practices because it comes from a place of compassion. It comes from a place of honoring the human experiences that everyone experiences and knowing that if you're doing something, you're doing it for a purpose, right? You might not know, right? A lot of kids haven't developed the metacognitive abilities to know why they're making the decision that they're making, but they have adults in their space that can, yeah, we can hold them accountable. We can, we can guide them on these right paths, but we can also step in and say, how do we, how do we work through this? How can I be the adult you need in this exact moment? It's not an exact science. We mess up all the time because we are also human, but that is how we move from being trauma ignorant to trauma informed in my opinion. Yeah. Boy, so much good stuff you just shared. So much good. Let me start with this. As somebody who, uh, I, I had plenty of teachers who didn't look at me very favorably. Let's just say that mm -hmm. along with mm -hmm. academic challenges I had, Plenty of behavior challenges, too, and I would push the limits. Um, the ones that I responded to the most were exactly what you're talking about. The ones that would get to know me, right? Maybe even laugh at a few of my jokes, which, you know. The other part was, you know, you're thinking about, about a, an educator who is living their, their idea of classroom management or managing humans Mm -hmm. is to have hard lines. We're just going to have hard lines. We're just going to... Here's the problem, and I'm, I'm speaking from experience. I'm now looking at you as an authoritarian figure, sure, but now my image of you is just somebody who barks orders at me all day long, mm -hmm. and that makes me want to put up a barrier and be like, you're not getting in here, right? So I always, I always talk about, when we talk about trying to improve behaviors, as I shared before, some of what I have to do is behavior support. It has to be established parameters for kids, 
Because if you give kids too much leash, they're just going to keep taking humans, sure. right? And then what you do to build them up, which is exactly what we're talking about. What are we doing to build them up? We, we, you can't praise kids enough. You can't celebrate their efforts enough. And in many cases, some kids with more extensive behavior needs, they need like tangible rewards to keep them moving along and would dangle some carrots out there as rewards to keep you going. But it has to be all of it, right? You're 100%. You're speaking my language on so many things today. I would love, this is exactly what I wanted to have you on. And I know the audience is going to, is just going to tear up everything that you're sharing. One last thing I want to, want to get to. So we've talked about your journey. We've talked about, you know, teachers working with students. Now you're a leader. What about leaders working with educators who have their own trauma? So for the educate, like educator trauma? Yeah. Yeah. In their own experiences, right? Like we, we have like you, like I, we, we have our own experiences that maybe just, yeah, life didn't, life didn't, uh, bring us through as easy as we'd hoped. And so, you know, or maybe they're going through a divorce or maybe, um, they've got some relationship challenges or maybe it's the, you know, maybe it's the, the stress of the job that it's creating a lot of stress on their lives, whatever it is. So the idea of what do you, what would you say as a leader working with your staff to support them, to help them through, uh, any of their, their own trauma? That's a great question. You know, I, I, to answer that question, I'm gonna go back. So I want to go to when I was a literacy coach, you know, I was, I, I talked about how I, I, I say it was a failure. That's, that's a really strong term. Um, it wasn't, I, I learned a lot. We had a lot of success. Um, the, I taught 20 kids also while I was a literacy coach and those 20 kids are absolutely amazing. I believe they're graduating this year actually, but <laughs> they, um, cause I ran into one the other day, but, uh, as a literacy coach, what I failed to do Right. As someone who my job was to help teachers primarily be the best that they can be for kids. I went into those spaces uh, not honoring truly who they were. Right. I was I was young. I was high on, you know, being I I was the youngest coach in the district. You know, there's there's a lot of the ego there. One hundred percent. And so I started conversations badly and I, I brought up how, you know, observations, even though I might have made good suggestions, right. On how to improve a lesson or how to improve a classroom environment, et cetera, et cetera. It was coming from a place that was more about me than them. Uh, and ultimately I had to learn that lesson the hard way, like truthfully. Uh, and I still, to this day, I just go, Oh my God, I could have had that conversation so much differently. And so <laughs> when I went back, I was lucky enough to get, when I went back into the classroom, I was lucky enough that the next principal that I worked under was absolutely stunning. Literally one of the best leaders I've ever met. She was at the end of her career. She retired right when I left. So last year, uh, she guided me. She was like, look, Jacob, you have, you have a lot of insight. You, you know, your content, you have a lot of passion, but she was like, you have to meet people where they are. You can't force someone to get to where they, where, where you want them to be. If you're starting where they don't even, they don't even see the floor, right? They're, they're in an entirely different space. And so I just, I reflected on that for, you know, literally three years when working with her and she guided me through some really difficult conversations and no, I wasn't perfect. But by the time I became an AP, I had completely shifted how I communicated to adults and with adults. Um, 
And and part of that was it, it's so much easier. And if you, I think if you ask teachers this, they agree, right? Kids are really easy because it's you can give kids the benefit of the doubt because they're kids, right? Kids do stupid things. Like they're yep. they're they're still learning yep. how to be humans. And so, but when you're an adult, a lot of us really assume that just because you're a certain age that you should already have certain things figured out, right? You should already be able to regulate your emotions, that you shouldn't be so reactive. It's just not true. Yeah. People have, I mean, some people are, right? I'm always jealous of like the really just well-kept human beings who <laughs> are, you know, they manage their emotions very well. Even and, keel all the time. Yeah, they're very stoic and those people are amazing. And, you know, but that's really like the the 4% of society. Right. The rest of us have to struggle and be and make uh, stupid mistakes and, and be able to reflect on those. And so when you're a leader dealing, you know, I have, we, our campus is like, uh, is like 2,300 students. So we have all of these educators in this space who have all of these different, they have their own baggage. They have their own experience with education. They have their own biases. They have their own strengths and weaknesses. And so when working with adults, it, it it's, it's almost the same conversation. It's okay. You, so let's say I have a, a teacher. She's really upset about a student that's in her class, like almost to the point of tears. Okay. Let's talk. Come to my office. We sit. My number one goal is to just absolutely listen with full intention and, and be and ground myself in the fact that this person, whether I believe it, it deserves this emotional reaction or not, my, my belief doesn't matter. What matters is that this person is experiencing something that's real to them. Okay. And it's that same conversation of let me, let, tell me everything that you need to tell me. Okay. And so they, they, they flush it out They're They're trying to talk to me about all of this. They're, they're detailing all of these things. And so my next goal is to go, I don't want this person to feel like I'm, I'm, not trying to help them, right? That I'm trying to dismiss their emotions or that I'm not trying to support them. If it's a, if it's a situation where, you know, they, they, they might feel a little scared because a, a parent might be angry or whatever. And so, and cause I want to, right. It's my, my true intentions. And I think that's really the, the core of it is my true intentions is that I want to help this person because I want this person to be their best because when they're their best, the kids are going to be at their best. And so I help everyone involved and that shapes everything I do. And I, but I, sometimes what, what we want doesn't equal what comes out, right? You, you might have good intentions. Hey, when I made this comment to you, I was really trying to help you, but all you did was make them angry. Right. Mm -hmm. And we, we do that all the time. Yep. And so I try to be really selective, um, with how I do that. And if it's a really difficult situation, like if there's a teacher, for instance, who, uh, maybe they are, they're rattled because a kid got really aggressive with them, you know, not physical or anything, but kind of scared them, but they've yep. maybe experienced domestic violence in their own life. I have to honor those pieces and yep. go, okay, they're coming, they're coming at this from an angle that is a hundred percent valid to their reality. And I need to honor that for them because I want them to know that I, I do care. I do care that they've, they've had these experiences in life that they, that they understand these things, but it also might be causing them to react a certain way that might not be appropriate for the situation as a, as an outside side party, the most difficult thing as a leader is to go, you know, there's one truth, there's a second truth. And then somewhere in the middle, there's the reality of everything. Yeah. Right. And so I have to help adults all the time navigate what that looks like, because when emotions are high, when people are upset, when they're grounded in their emotions, 
And it's very difficult to have rational conversations that challenge someone else's take on something. And that's never my goal either. I don't want to challenge how they believe something. What I want to do is open that belief structure up. At the end of our conversation, they might still really reside here. But by the end of the conversation, I want them to say, hey, you know what? I believe this, but I see this whole other perspective. Okay. And nine times out of 10, I feel like that really does help help them navigate what they're doing, but it also builds that bridge between me and them and saying, Hey, you know what? We might not have ended on the same spot. You know, adults, if you're having real conversations, you're never going to agree on everything, but we don't have to, we don't have to agree on everything. What we have to do is say, our end goal is to be the best for kids. Our end goal is to be the best adults we can be so that we can help kids navigate their lives as early as possible so that they can make proper decisions and proper choices that lead them to have as, as a successful life as they can. And so when we ground ourselves in that motive, it doesn't matter if you ultimately disagree with me, it matters, hey, our end goals here, how do we collaborate? How do we mediate? How do we compromise in order to get to that end goal? And now sometimes people don't want that end goal. Right. And that's the hard part about leadership, too, is sometimes you interact with someone who is so lost in their own life and their own problems and their own mental state that they're just not being good for kids and they're not coming out of that. And those are the most difficult conversations to have because you're like, I know your heart. Maybe it is here. Maybe it's not. But right now you are you that you're not doing what is right for kids. Right. Um, You're not doing what is right for the people in your care. And that also is a part of leadership is being able to say, you know what, maybe it's there, maybe it's not, but right now we, we need to fix this or we need to move on. Okay. Um, and, and so it's all of that. It's, it's that navigating the, how do we build bridges? How do we meet in the middle, but also making the difficult decision every once in a while of saying, you know what, we're really not, this isn't productive. This isn't doing what's right. And at the end of the day, if we are not able to at least come to a compromise to help kids, then something else has to change. Um, and truthfully, I, I think that 99% of conversations like this though, end with, look, we all want the same thing. We, we all want to help kids. We all want the school to be awesome. I want your class to be as great as you do. I really do. Let's work. <laughs> How do we do that? And so sometimes just being that other person who can, who can give that encouragement, but also not be afraid to say, Hey, you know, we need to look at this. We need to, we need to we check our own bias here. We need to check our own emotional state to make sure that we're serving kids. You know, that, that becomes the role of a leader and it's something that I'm still learning to do. You know, it's my first, you know, assistant principal position. And so I don't have all of the answers. No. I'm just speaking from a, a place of this is, this is what's working right now. And, um, it, it's where my heart is. So hopefully, you know, as we go forward, I can, I can have more defined answers to that question, but that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. But you're very well centered, man. You're very well centered and you understand the idea of, you know, nobody's got all the answers. It doesn't matter if you've mm-hmm. been in education for 40 years That's and nobody's right. got all the answers and we all just try to get better and keep yep. exactly what you're saying. You keep the main thing, the main thing, and that should be the kids. That should mm-hmm. be the kids. And Always. you may, you may have some disagreements on the best route to help. But as long as we can be reasonable people, we can always find reasonable answers. So, man, I just so appreciate the conversation. Hey, real quick, uh, before we jet, could you just share if anybody wants to find your stuff, how they go about doing it? Yeah, so 
the biggest hubs, right? So Facebook, the Teach Me Teacher Facebook page, we have over 50,000 educators over there who are awesome. Um, we have a wonderful post that go up over there uh, all the time. It's it's I always say it's the most positive educator space on Facebook. <laughs> um, if you want to get with me directly, the best place truly is Instagram. I, I'm always posting my Instagram. It's a smaller community over there. Um, I'm very I share a lot of personal stuff on there. I share stories. Um, but truthfully, you know, I answer I talk to t educators all the time through DMs on uh, on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Hey Chastain. Um, I do have a Twitter, Jacob Chastain underscore. I don't tweet a lot. Uh, Twitter annoys me, so I don't jump on there all the time. <laughs> but you are more than welcome. I do interact with people when there is interaction to be had on Twitter. But truthfully, if you want to just join the community, jump over to Teach Me Teacher. Um, we we reach you know hundreds of countries around the world every single month, and and literally tens of thousands of educators join in. And we've had guests that that range from Eric Weinstein, who's, you know, of Joe Rogan fame all the way to, you know, just everyday educators like you and I, who are doing the work, um, in schools, districts, and classrooms. So it's a wonderful space. And if you're an English minded person, craft and draft, you know, it's a, it's a hilarious podcast where it's just me and my partner. We just, we jump on there for an hour and we just, we just talk shop all about reading, writing workshop, how to get kids to read, how to get kids to write and love it. Um, and, and that's really, that's really it. So I would love to interact with anyone who wants to talk. Um, I try to answer all things. I'm really horrible at email, but I will <laughs> respond eventually, um, for most people, unless you're trying to sell me something, in which case I may or may not ignore you. Depends on what you're selling. So shoot, shoot. <laughs> But I'm always I'm always willing to talk to people. Uh, thanks so much, man. I tell you, your stuff is great, and thank you again for all the people that you're impacting on a a daily basis, a weekly basis. Um, your stuff is great, and it's really uh, you made an impact on me. But you know, hundreds, thousands, who knows, maybe millions more um, coming from all the great work that you're doing. So thank you so much, and thanks for jumping on with me. No problem. Thank you so much. Party time! It's like bull, bull, bull. Sirens are going off in my head. We're gonna try to just not be horrible. I'm watching you, exhausting entertainers. Always watching. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode. We would like to thank Kevin McLeod for the use of his music in our intro, outro, and also the music used in our interviews. You can find his information in the show notes below.